What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, here with Will Lomas. Uh, unfortunately, Luke is uh, not here. Uh, he is no longer on the podcast, at least for the time being. Uh, we hope to talk to him sometime soon. Um, hopefully he can come back on, maybe as a guest, and maybe in the future. You never know. Maybe he'll come back. So, as we kind of go at this alone without him please bear with us as we're not really used to directing some of these podcasts we kind of used to let luke guide us or steer us in the right direction and we would have a more uh natural conversation um so bear with us as we go through some of these trials and tribulations but um the good news at least is that the season is is very quickly approaching um i mean it was a pretty tough summer uh, i would say um, not a lot of sports on once basketball ended, it, it kind of really grinded to a halt. Um, but thankfully the preseason is only, I think 10 days away or so. We have the, that hall of fame game, which is always kind of crappy, but you know, Disagree. at least it's, fo- it, yeah, right. At least, it, <laughs> at least it's football. Um, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to watch anything that, that isn't, you know, cricket or whatever, yeah, <laughs> what's it, it, whatever, whatever sports are left on right now. It, for a second, it almost sounded like you were going to say uh, Luke is no longer with us, which I thought was going to be a very weird <laughs> no. mixed message for the uh, beginning of the podcast. But yeah, yeah no. I mean, I'm very much pro preseason football and uh, y'all can hate it or y'all can love it. That's that's up to you. But like Matias said, you know, we get a long time without football, like it, even with all the other activities and stuff going on, like I like basketball, I like hockey. Like I'm, I'm here for all of. I even watched college baseball for a split second, and I, you know, my love for Shohei Otani knows no bounds. But having said all that, like, there's nothing like football. So I'm, I'll take it in any form I can get it right now. Yeah, uh, like I said, it, it was just, it's, it's been rough. I like, I have nothing to watch. I just end up watching YouTube videos all day. So 
whatever news I could get about football, finally, like training camp has started. Um, I think the veterans are reporting on Tuesday. Is that correct? Yeah. If you're listening to this on the day it releases, you should uh, have already started to see things trickling unless you're just listening early in the morning and then uh, we appreciate you. But yeah, uh, as far as we know, uh, the rookies have already reported and everybody is expected to report uh, all the veterans on Tuesday. So we'll we'll see if that changes, but it, it doesn't it doesn't sound like anything weird is going to happen there. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, other players reporting from other teams, um, and the Titans are, will be doing that uh, on Tuesday, thankfully. And I, I, the good news that that we got was that um, there was no one really of no, I guess Monty Rice probably uh, of no uh, making the PUP list, uh, which was great to hear because we were kind of worried that Robert Woods uh, would make it on there, maybe Caleb Farley um Christian Fulton as well but none of those guys were on the PUP list um so that was definitely a good sign uh, I think this is probably the healthiest the Titans have been uh going in an off, in, in the an off season um going in a season um in quite a while it seems like the Titans always have um at least a couple of high profile players that either make the PUP list or you know aren't able able to practice but uh, that doesn't seem the case to be this year, which is really good news. Yeah, and, you know, you see guys like Darius Leonard from the Colts, who is on the PUP list. And, you know, there's, there, you know, Bakhtiari from uh, the Packers is on there, like guys with other injury concerns. And between, like you said, Woods and Farley, and then you look at all the other, like uh, Jim White has talked over and over about how uh, Molden and uh, there was another defensive back ha- who was wearing, I guess it was Christian Fulton, um, who was wearing yellow non-contact jerseys during uh, OTAs. And the same thing with uh, Aaron Brewer, who didn't do full, you know, uh, whatever all that was. I, I don't I don't really know if they're giving yellow jerseys out now to make sure that everybody's as healthy as possible. But uh, it seems like everybody is back from whatever injuries they had, other than, like you said, Monty Rice. Um, Rashad Weaver is another guy who could have maybe ended up on the PUP list just because his leg injury was was pretty bad last year. But we saw him moving around in OTAs and minicamp. And uh, again, you know, anytime you can have guys who aren't on the PUP list or who aren't coming in with clear injuries, it's always a good sign. So we'll see how long that holds up because like you said, usually uh, early in training camp, especially it gets, it it gets pretty aggravating how quickly they they are uh, or how quick they seem to pull guys out of practice and stuff, which is smart, but like I said, still aggravating. Yeah. Rashad Weaver is an interesting one. Um, We're kind of all over the place. (laughs) I, I didn't really go, uh, according to plan, but I, I do think it's interesting to talk about some of this stuff because, like, Rashad Weaver is interesting to me because um, I feel like people have completely written him off. I saw someone calling him a bust on Twitter the other day, and I'm just like, first of all, he was injured, and he looked like he was going to be the number three edge on the team going into the season because he looked outstanding in preseason. Like, he was crushing some of these offensive linemen, um, and hopefully if he can make it back fully healthy— uh, from that from that injury, I, I think that's going to be a huge boon for the defensive line, which already is probably what top three in the league. Um, I mean, last year they were probably top one, to be honest with you. So 
I mean, that that's that's big. That That's big for a team that is always wanting to have more depth, you know, on the defensive line or at edge. Um, and I feel like people have kind of just written him off, but he's definitely going to play a part if he's if he's healthy. Yeah, and I'm not putting Danico Autry out the door or anything like that, but he's very much a guy who, when you watch him play, like has that kind of unusual quickness for somebody with that frame and then also has the size and lower body strength to be able to seem or to seem to be able to control a lot of people inside if they wanted to move him that way. So I, I do wonder if they kind of see him as the future at that hybridish position. But I, I mean, either way, like he was the guy who during preseason games, he flashed and looked great. Him, Molden, and then we heard a lot about Racy McMath, and we never really saw it. But, the, you know, Molden and uh, Weaver looked like guys who were going to make an impact because they were just clearly playing at a different speed than everybody else out there. So, you know, they've added a couple of pieces on the defensive line this offseason, but whoever makes this team, then there's going to be a couple of guys that end up on the practice squad, but whoever makes this team on the defensive line is going to be good, talented people. And for the first time in a long time, the Titans should have a real too deep defensive line where they can rotate the way they want to and keep their guys fresh. So uh, that, that'll be really interesting to watch. Yeah. I really like his versatility. He could play on the line. He could kind of play standing up. Um, so, so I'm excited to see him. Hopefully he'll be fully healthy. Um, on this episode, we're, we're going to talk about the rookies. Um, since they're all signed, we can finally talk about them and our expectations for them. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then we'll be right back. All right, we're back in with No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Um, and before we talk the rookies, talk about the rookies real quick, uh, we want to talk a little bit about some of the contracts that that the Titans have and what they can kind of do with the money because I believe Will you told me that they have about 11 million dollars in cap space um and that definitely gives them some flexibility if they want to bring in some veteran guys uh we talked last week that I still think they should bring in a veteran receiver I think it would make a lot of sense given their depth chart the fact that Robert Woods is kind of coming back from an injury um and a lot of the other guys are just they're really young you know they don't have a lot of NFL experience uh, and it would kind of make sense to, to to pair them with a veteran guy. Um, I don't know who that would be, but they definitely have some flexibility in terms of cap space if they wanted to do that. Do you think receiver makes the most sense? Or what other positions do you think they should uh, attack with that cap space if they were to use it? Yeah, so to me, there's really two options if if they're going to spend it. Like you either want to try to find a disgruntled rookie or a rookie who's out of place or, or something with another team uh, at wide receiver, specifically at wide receiver, just because you can get in on. They, they kind of did this with uh, Des King when they traded with the Chargers, where you get a guy at a high value position who doesn't really have a fit on the team. You give up a late pick and you hope that they're a big part of your team, but also somebody that you didn't feel like you need to have uh, heading into the season. So I, I would look for that. But Jim White over and over has talked in, in his mailbags and in interviews, and I don't know how much inside information he has, and I don't know if he had it, if he would be allowed to say it, but he keeps talking about how 
now that we've gotten to this point, he expects the Titans to let their rookies and their young guys really compete for some of those roles, specifically left guard and receiver. And if they win it, great. But if they don't, they they have the money to pull the trigger on somebody else. But maybe not somebody who's out there right now, and maybe somebody who gets cut, or or like I said, it doesn't look like there's a place for them. So that's kind of what I would watch personally. I I don't know. Like everybody talks about Eric Flowers as a left guard candidate, and that's fine. I, I'm still. I still think that they should add Will Fuller just because I think this is sort of the perfect situation for him. You know, if you add Will Fuller, you get a type of receiver that you don't have and sort of a deep threat. You're not going to ask him to run 80 routes a game because the Titans rotate receivers as much as they rotate defensive linemen. They've always done that. So really, you're going to give him a part-time role He's going to get to do what he does best. It he's where he'd work with Tim Kelly again, which would be, I mean, presumably be good. It worked well for him last time. And then Mike Vrabel knows him. And if they sign him, it, he, he must check off that box, whether, you know, maybe that's the reason why he, he hasn't signed here yet. It's because Mike Vrabel doesn't, you know, bang the table for him or whatever, but, uh, he to me he seems like he would be the perfect fit and if they add out Eric Flowers that's fine too I mean I don't mind having another big body who can move especially after he played last year you know people were talking about him so I went back and watched and you know he does look good um, but anytime a guy stays not signed this long it makes me really wary of saying, okay, he's going to come in and be the starter that's why I lean more towards wide receiver because I think they're somewhat comfortable with the left guard battle. Um, but wide receiver, you can add a wide receiver in and play him 20 snaps a game. And, you know, he doesn't have to know the full playbook. He doesn't have to have a full training camp and off season to gel with anybody else. The only person who needs to know where he's going is the quarterback. So that that's a relatively easy addition. So again, I, Eric flowers would be cool. You know, if he comes in and goes to training camp and, stands out and looks great awesome if not i think they feel comfortable with what they have between uh taylor lewan and ben jones surrounding the left the guard position that it would make everything easy enough for whoever wins that so just add a wide receiver for my money yeah i mean will fuller obviously the thing about him is that he's always injured but he really does seem like the kind of missing piece to the to the puzzle in that wide receiver room because i mean if you look at it they they robert woods is a really solid player very good route runner could really beat you um in the short and intermediate game Traylon burks is very dynamic great after the catch um but you look at everyone else or even them like they, they don't they're not going to stretch the field really vertically um which is something that the titans did have uh, last year, at least when they were healthy, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, they could get deep down the field vertically. Um, Traylon Burks, I think, could do it. Robert Woods could do it, but they're not overly fast, you know, and they're really not that explosive or, or dynamic. Um, and it really would make sense to get Will Fuller in here. I, I think that's a part of the offense that has really lacked sometimes in the past. We tried it a little bit with Khalif Raymond a couple years ago. It worked. I mean, it even worked in the Ravens playoff game. Like we saw what that could do uh, for you, even with a player talent with not that much talent like Khalif Raymond. 
Uh, no offense to him, he 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 was a good guy, but you know he's he's he was kind of limited, um, talent wise. But yeah, I mean, I look at some of these other free agent receivers, and there's some good veteran presences. You know, Manny Sanders is out there, T.Y. Hilton is out there, Danny Amendola is even out there, Cole Beasley, um, kind of controversial, but um, he's still out there. But they're guys that really, you know, they're not fast. They're they're not vertically. Um, fast anymore at this point in their careers. T.Y. Hilton maybe, but he struggled with so many injuries that I, I don't really think he could do that for you. Uh, Will Fuller definitely would make the most sense. Plus, you have that Tim Kelly connection. Um, so, so we'll see what they, we'll see what they do. Um, I, I don't know. I think it would make a lot of sense for them to go receiver. Um, but if they don't spend the money, we'll probably be be hearing about it from fans. Uh, once some of these receivers start making some mistakes and start dropping passes. Yeah, it, it doesn't take much to kind of set Titans fans off for good, bad, whatever. But yeah, like I love Manny Sanders. Like I, I would take him in a heartbeat. And for some reason, I had always thought that he played more snaps in the slot than he does. Uh, apparently not. Like I, I looked it up the other day and he seems to play a fair amount of his snaps outside on the boundary, which is kind of their missing link. So I don't know. This this offense has always worked best when they do heavy play action and they throw across the middle for those, you know, 12 to 15 yard gains and then try to let your receiver make something. And then once you've got the defense to funnel so much inside, then you attack deep to the left or deep to the right. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how you can do that. It, now, I, I say that. AJ Brown ran a four five. Like it's not like he ran a, a, a four three. So you can do that with guys who don't test well on the stopwatch, but you just have to make sure that they're selling the routes enough to where the defensive backs are going to bite before they do their double move and go up. But yeah, like it, if you, it's tight end last year is sort of like wide receiver this year, where if you don't add one, you're going to go from looking like the smartest guy in the room who is trying to outthink everybody to the guy who let a clear problem hold the team back. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I think that's a pretty good analogy. Thankfully, the tight end situation is um, has been fixed. I, I think they're actually going to contribute a lot and, and kind of make up for maybe some of the lack of uh, receiver depth on the team. So... Uh, we want to talk today kind of about the rookies, um, just because all of them are signed. Um, they're already in camp, and we kind of want to talk about uh, some of our expectations for them. We're just going to start right away with Traylon Burks, who has gotten a lot of negative press <laughs> over this offseason. It, it's been it's been rough. It, it's been a rough offseason for him. The asthma thing has really kind of pushed people away. Uh, I mean, people are calling him a bust already, which is absolutely insane. But, you know, there are people out there. But even, like, in the national media, like, in in the fantasy football community in particular, like, there are people that are really down on him because of these reports. And I, I've even seen some fantasy football people being like, he's going to be a real sleeper because, I mean, he's a very talented player. First round draft capital, um, and people are down on him because of these reports and his offseason, but he's going to come into a great opportunity. He's incredibly talented, um, and I'm kind of with them. Like The negativity has gotten a little bit out of hand, and I think we actually did get some positive reports 
um, from Diana Russini. Um, Will, if you want to give us some more information on that. Yeah, so, you know, we all know the Burke stuff, and you've probably seen the Sam Pittman thing where he, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to get on my – I'll, you know, actually, I will. So uh, Sam Pittman, the Arkansas coach, used to be the Georgia offensive line coach. And the most uh, memorable thing he's ever done to me was when the Titans drafted Isaiah Wilson and he came on every radio show he could find and talked about how much he loved him and how much of a hard worker he was and how, you know, just kept singing his praise relentlessly. Like there was no hesitation, any of that. So what what I learned and what got me blocked from by him on Twitter is uh, that you just got to take his word with, you know, the smallest grain of salt. He doesn't, you know, he he's not going to tell you the truth one way or the other. So he went on and talked about how he's like, yeah, you know, after his sophomore year, uh, Traylon Burks was, you know, he came in, he was kind of out of shape and he wasn't ready for it. And we went to the Rice game, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, this had not been a problem the year before because in 2020, even with COVID and all that, the first week of the season, they played Georgia. And he had, as a true sophomore against the defense that just won the national championship last year, uh, he went out and had seven receptions for 100 and something yards and a touchdown with a pretty bad offensive situation. So, the, you know, and then he went on to stack up 100 yard games and dominate like he did. And that's like, that's great. That's who he is 99% of his career. So he talked about how he's out of shape and then he didn't talk about how, you know, easy it was for him to get in shape or whatever. He just kind of said his comment and people ran with it. Well, Diana Rossini later, not to rebut the report, but just in a conversation on the athletic, uh, talked about how, you know, she saw him out there in the first practice and how he was struggling and, and all that. And he was breathing hard for whatever reason. But ever since she left, you know, at that one practice, all she's gotten is, you know, high praise from the coaching staff. And Rusini is pretty well connected, you know, especially with Brable, where she, she seems to have. Uh, I mean, she seems to be pretty close to the organization. So um, she admitted she was, she said, you know this is an organization that, and then she kind of caught herself, but essentially she said, they don't hand out glowing praise idly. Like they don't, they, they're not easy to praise people just to do it. And she talked about how, you know, multiple people at different levels of the team, uh, all coaches had said, or personnel staff, I should say, had said that he was in tremendous shape, that he had completely like committed himself and that he was, you know, he was doing great. He knew the playbook, all that kind of stuff. So whether whether we see that or not, it, once uh, the media is able to go out there or not, we'll see soon. But the good news is that the bad news gets retweeted a lot and commented on a lot. But the most recent report we have from the people who've seen him most recently is all positive. And, you know, Ben Troop said it on 104.5. He was talking about how he's a former Titans tight end. If you, you, your memory doesn't go back that far with the Titans, but he talked about how nobody, nobody comes into the NFL in shape. You know, he's, he just talked about how social media is so hard because it, what it hadn't been around forever. And so if there's a report that somebody's out of shape in college or if somebody wants to spread that, you can just say the guys are out of shape. Like 
you know, they, they've said that, that, you know, that Burks has asthma and whether you believe that or not, that's, that's up to you, like either way. But the point is that if you expect a rookie to come in and be able to go full speed, you just don't understand what they go through during the combine process and during that off season. So, you know, I'm not saying to give him unlimited grace, but I will say if you're able to put up a hundred yard average uh, against an all SEC schedule in 2020, and then if you have a thousand yards plus in 2021 and you play against the likes of the Roger McCreary's Alabama, you know, once you play against that gauntlet and you prove yourself in the SEC heat, which is, you know, he's not playing any games in Montana. uh, But once you do all that, you kind of have earned the benefit of the doubt. So we'll, we'll see where that goes from there. But like I said, the most recent uh, Burks news we have is all positive. So let's, let's see if that carries on. Yeah. Kind of like I said last week, like obviously you want to hear amazing reviews of, of your first round rookie um, in the off season. Of course you want to hear that, but I feel like people just, have overreacted and are still continuing to overreact like this is something that could get easily solved like there's a reason every single nfl team has a strength and conditioning coach they have a fitness program they get their guys in shape there are veteran guys that are going to come in and they're not going to be in shape either you know like this is this is a thing like they might come in and, and completely fail the the fitness test i mean i don't know if you saw um the pictures of Leonard Fournette coming into to camp, he was weighing like 260 pounds. I yeah. bet you by the time the season rolls around, he's down to 230. He's in great shape, and he's gonna have a good season like he did last year. Like this is this is a pretty normal thing. I you can't expect these guys to just be working out, be training every single day of the off season. It doesn't work like that. Like they need time off. Um, they need time to get their bodies right. And I'm sure that by the time the season rolls around, he will be fine, especially because it wasn't an issue in college. Um, but I also think it, it, it was it was interesting what you said that it's a it is a step up. Like going from the college college to the NFL is a big step up. It's a big change. I mean, think about when you went from middle school practices to high school practices, whether it was football or a different sport, but football in particular, they had you running those 300s. You were running a uh, hundred yard dashes from one side to the other side uh, in helmets and pads. You were dying. Like we were all dying. Like that's not something yeah. that you're used to. Like you need to get used to it. It just happened that he's our first round pick. Um, and maybe he's like a little bit bigger than, than most receivers just because he's, he's a big boy. Like he's, he's thick, he's strong. Um, and I think people saw that and, and, and kind of ran with the idea that he might be an Isaiah Wilson. He's going to come in. He took the money. He's out of shape. But I don't think it's that. And I'm sure that they'll get it resolved before the season comes around. Yeah, I, I think the exact same thing. Moving on to the next rookie uh, is Roger McCreary, someone that. Um, we kind of didn't know too much about, I would say, or maybe we didn't really expect him to be the Titans' second-round pick. Uh, we didn't necessarily see cornerback a- as a huge need, uh, but given the the NFL, how pass-heavy um, it's been, 
Um, it kind of made sense, and, and I am excited to see him because I think he could form a fantastic um, trio of cornerbacks with Caleb Farley uh, and Christian Fulton. I, I mean, it, it seems like they probably locked in their future cornerback trio for at least, you know, the next four or five seasons. Um, and that's huge in today's NFL, especially when you always want continuity, particularly on the defensive side of the ball where there's so much turnover year to year um, and, and defenses just seem to to regress um, over time. But um, definitely interested to see him. I really haven't seen too many reports on him, to be honest with you, um, which is good. Like we, we usually talk about not wanting to get any negative reports and sometimes no press uh, is better than negative press. Um, so yeah. I, what do you think about McCreary? How do you think he's going to fit in uh, with the team? Do you think he's going to come in and start right away or, or do you think he's going to kind of get brought along slowly? Kind of like with all rookies, I don't, I don't expect them to start any of them immediately, but I, I don't know. It's so weird, right? Because we went into the draft with a first-round pick and a third-round pick. So it's not like we even really looked at the the talent that was going to be available in the second round because the only reason they ended up with a second-round pick is because they traded A.J. Brown, which got them up in the first round, and then they traded down with the Jets, so they ended up with the top pick in the second round. So, you know, we— Yeah, they probably they probably were not even eyeing any of those players that were going to be in the top of the second round just because they didn't— Yeah. They probably didn't think they were going to be picking there. Yeah, so, like, you're, you're looking at, at, you know, especially us not knowing the conversations that are going on, and uh, we, we talked about how the first two picks, because it was going to be a first and a third-round pick— were their only top 100 picks and they needed an interior offensive lineman and a wide receiver and they got a wide receiver. So the, the natural assumption was, okay, are they going to get another wide receiver? Or are they going to get, you know, an offensive lineman? You know, what, what are they going to do? Um, and they got Roger McCreary. So it just felt so strange because I, I don't think he wasn't far down. It's not like, I mean, he was mo in most people's top 40, but it's not like he was a top 20 pick that had fallen or anything like that. So, you know, that it was all, it was kind of a surprise, but everything out of, out of camp that I've seen and heard is that McCreary looks good and he's you know moving around well and all that. I just don't know what the plan is for him because Molden played well last year that the working theory is because the Titans led uh, the NFL in dime personnel, which is six defensive backs. Um, the working theory that I've either said or, you know, seen people talk about is that you knowing how Vrabel works guys in and all that, you would assume that the opening day that you have Farley on one side, Fulton on the other and Molden in the slot, then your safeties are Hooker and Byard. But when they go with that six defensive back, then you can bring in. Uh, McCreary and he can either come down and he can play the slot or he can play the crookshank role or if he plays the slot then Molden can play the crookshank role or uh, Hooker can come up and play the crookshank role and Molden can go back to say like what you, you can mix and match those kinds of guys with Fulton and uh, Fulton and uh, Farley and Byard basically staying in their spots but then you just kind of mix and match around because people forget that hooker played corner in college. Like he was a slot corner in college. He was good at Iowa. So, you know, they, they had this habit of taking these kind of 
maybe too slow to be a corner, but did well in college and may, like has like because McCreary wasn't slow. He just had shorter arms than, you know, like almost every other starter. But he played against Alabama for three straight years. Like he led the SEC in interceptions uh, in 2020. And I, I want to say he was like the defensive back of the year or something. Some weird title that he got in 2020. And then in 2021, he was great there, too. Like uh, so. I, I think they I think he's one of the times where they add a guy just because they love him and it's it not necessarily Derrick Henry, but like that's that's how the Titans got their Derrick Henry's, their Kevin Byards, their you know uh, the these guys that they've gotten in the middle and late rounds where they turn out to be really good players, like even Amani Hooker, like they had Kenny Vaccaro under contract for two or three more years at that point and. It, they didn't need a safety. So I think the plan with McCreary will be compete for the slot job. If Farley's not working out, we're going to put you outside and see how you do there. But we expect him to work out. And if that happens, then you're kind of our upgraded version of Chris Jackson last year, where you're the next guy up at the corner positions. But also maybe you have some kind of dime roles like that, that kind of thing. So I expect we see him 10 to 15 snaps in some capacity early on. But unless somebody gets hurt or unless he just is lightning in a bottle, I, I don't think he'll start this year. Yeah, uh, I don't think so either. Of course, unless Caleb Farley and Fulton um, deal with injuries. Um, or have any ill effects uh, from their injuries from last year. Um, we'll see. It, it, it did seem a little bit like a luxury pick, but you, you just you need a lot of defensive backs in today's NFL. Plus, it seems like the cornerbacks are always getting injured. At least that's what it seemed like the past couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to start either. Uh, I, I think he'll play a decent amount just because they like to, to you know, mix and match. Um but, man, if he's as good as he showed in some of those games um, last season at, at Auburn, the Titans are going to have one of the best defensive backfields in the league. I mean, they already have two top ten safeties. I feel pretty comfortable saying Byard, obviously, is one of them. And the way Imani Hooker played last year, he was he was a legitimate top ten safety uh, in the league. Um, I even saw an ESPN article the other day. They were ranking the safeties. Um, and he got an honorable mention um, from some of these writers and, and scouts. So we we know that Titans players rarely get credit. So the fact that he was even on there as an honorable honorable mention, I think, um, speaks volumes about him. Um, so I'm excited. I, I think the defense with the players that they've added um, and the players that they, that they've kept from last year, I think I think they're going to be just fantastic again. And I can't wait to watch him in action. What, one more um, thing about McCreary, yeah. uh, he fits like the traditional, and I wrote about this every year for a while, the traditional like draft profile of somebody that John Robinson likes is multi-year SEC starter who plays uh, a premium position, talking about for the first two rounds, uh, and has high levels of production. So he uh, he had he had six career interceptions, or you know, in in 2020 and 2021, it looked really good. But he had 14 pass deflections in uh, during his senior year, and he had 
uh, 30 over the course of his, you know, his four year career, even with a shortened season. And even though he was only a rotational player early in his career. So and then, he, you know, he's also a cornerback who's really aggressive, like he had seven tackles for loss uh, in 2020 when he had his like hottest year. So it, he he's he's very much that like. Uh, Christian Fulton was kind of a similar way where even if the interceptions don't show up, he's constantly knocking stuff away and just making big plays. So I, I don't know if this was a return to form to the old kind of what he did before COVID, but it felt very reminiscent of a lot of those earlier picks, even if it was a sort of a weird pick at the time, like it, it definitely fits their profile for what they look for in defensive backs. Yeah, I'm almost at the point where I don't even look at interception numbers because I feel like they're so variable and random. But I, I think that's a discussion for another time. Uh, yeah. Moving forward, uh, we've got Nicholas Petit Freer, who I, I think we kind of knew the Titans were going to go uh, offensive lineman at some point early in the draft. Um, I thought they would go more for a guard just to kind of fill in that left guard spot. Um but they ended up going with Petit Freer. I don't think he could really play guard. He seems like he's a little too big, but that maybe not. He seems more like a pure, um, pure tackle. I don't know if we're gonna see him much um, his 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 rookie season. I feel like the offensive line is, is kind of set except for left guard. Um, I mean, Radens is going to play right tackle uh, by all accounts. Luan is still there. Ben Jones at center. Nate Davis at right guard. Uh, then you have that competition at left guard between Jamarco Jones and Aaron Brewer. Um, what do you think? Do you, do you think Radens is going to even get looked at at left guard? Do you think Petit Freer could play guard if they want him to? What do you think? I mean this in, uh, I guess, the exact way it's going to sound. I think the Titans are stupid enough to try to put him at guard. Um, but I think in 2023, the starting line will be Raiden's at left tackle, uh, Petit Fair at right tackle, because Petit Fair's best college tape was when he was playing right tackle. Like they moved him to left tackle for almost no reason other than the fact of like, let's see if you can do left tackle because he was a really the, good right I hate tackle. Th- I hate that because it's, yeah. it just does not translate so no. easily as, as a lot of people think. And even if Raidens has a down year this year, which I, I expect him to be good, but um, even if he's not as good as, you know, he looked in the San Francisco game or whatever, like, I still think you should give him a shot at left tackle because he, you know, that's where he played his entire college career. That's where he made his money. He's, you know, I, I think I think that's his best spot anyway. So in my head, apparently it takes Keith Carter and them a year to kind of figure out what they have on the offensive line. I would play uh, Raidens at left tackle, Nicholas Petit for at right, Nate Davis at right guard, Ben Jones at center. And then if Aaron Brewer wins, that's a really cheap, good offensive line you've built. Um, and even if he doesn't, you know, you're, you're, you've got two rookie contracts uh, at your tackle position. So you've got money to spend at left guard if you want to. Um, but I, I think that he's a tackle only kind of guy. I think, not not that he necessarily couldn't, I guess, but it just we haven't seen it and it's not what he does best. Like he doesn't always match up with like a bull rush that well. So, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. But I would expect that it shakes out with Lawan and Raidens as the tackles and then him as the swing tackle. 
where hopefully they get him some snaps at that kind of jumbo tight end spot or whatever. And then they're just focused on developing him and getting him ready for next season while, you know, also having a good backup that's cheap. And then inside they leave Jones and Brewer and uh, Ben Jones. And then maybe also Corey Levin, which he's gotten some positive reviews in those Jim White mailbags as somebody like, hey, you know, he can snap and he's good enough to play the guard positions if they need him to. Don't be surprised if he makes the roster, like, which I love. I mean, I'm, I think Levin is underrated. I think he should be the backup center for sure. But, you know, I've, I've said that for a long time, so we'll see. But, yeah, I, I would imagine uh, Petit Ferrer starts out at offensive tackle. Crazy the Corey Levin is still on the team after he bounced around a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree about Petit Freer. I, I think that pick was more of an insurance for Luan for the future. I, I don't think Luan is going to last too much longer uh, on the team, and it seems like his body's already breaking down. So I think it was kind of insurance for Luan, but also insurance just in case Radons doesn't pan out, you know, um, because Petit Freer is kind of a – he was just a solid prospect, pretty clean prospect. Um, nothing outstanding about him, but nothing really that made you stand out in a negative way. So, yeah, I, I definitely – I don't know if he's going to get playing time, barring an injury. Uh, but given Luan's last couple of seasons, I mean, we almost have to assume that Luan is going to miss some time. And I think Petit Freer would probably be one of the more talented swing tackles um, around the NFL. So, Yeah. Moving forward, uh, we're going to talk about the player that everyone wants to talk about, Malik Willis, um, who the Titans pulled the trigger on in the third round. Honestly, at that point, it was kind of impossible to to, um, to pass on him. Um, I believe they traded up even in order to do so. Uh, I think that was a good move. In the, At the very least, it gives you a different dimension as a backup. Um, you know, if Tannehill gets injured— he can come in and you can kind of design the offense around him and his strengths, which is mobility, um, huge rocket arm. And, and I think you could do a lot with him. Um, but you also have the possibility that he could be uh, the quarterback of the future because he's that talented. Um, he has the tools for it, but I think people need to relax. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen yeah. people on Twitter um, almost praying for Tannehill's downfall in order to see Malik Willis. And I think we got, we, we need to relax. Like I know the Bengals game was terrible for Tannehill. Um, he blew it, but he wasn't the only one that, that blew it. Uh, there were other factors at play. Um, and when Tannehill is on and when he's at the top of his game, he's a top eight, top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Um, and I don't think that has changed and I don't think it'll change this season. So, we need to let Tannehill do his thing and we need to let Malik Willis develop because he has a lot of like things that he needs to work on. He is by no means uh, a finished product. He's very talented. I think he could be a lot of fun uh, if he has to come in to play for Tannehill or even if you want to use him in sub packages, but there's a lot to work on. And I think it's going to take at the very least one season, probably two seasons um, for him to be fully polished um, as a prospect um, and in order for for him to, you know, actually start games uh, for the Titans. But it's possible um, that his timeline gets moved up. But 
this season. I don't really expect to see him much at all, except for maybe a couple of packages for him in some games. No, I mean, I I, I don't expect him to. I think once you see him in the preseason, that's probably all you're going to see of him for a while, because I think they're going to have Logan Woodside active on uh, game days. And I think this offseason, you're going to get a thousand different think pieces of, well, if Malik Willis is so good, why didn't they even have him active on game days? And it's like, well, because they like Logan Woodside and they think he they think he has the chance to not mess up the game probably more than Malik Willis. So I, I don't expect him to be, even be the quarterback two for most of the season. Um, he may get he, he may get activate or he may stay active uh, just because he can do some things in a special package. But that really, I mean, the Titans don't really do that. Like, I mean, like they did it with Mariota a little bit and they did it with uh, they do it with Derrick Henry some. But it's different going wildcat with Derrick Henry because you don't necessarily want your young rookie quarterback to take the snap and then run directly into a linebacker that knocks his head off. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure there. I, honestly, like I don't, I think it's 50 50 that he's the starting quarterback next year. Like I think there's a good chance and people are going to hate this, but I think there's a good chance Tannehill plays well. Like he historically has done with the Titans. The Titans win a bunch of games and they have no intentions of changing anything. And I think that would be the best thing in the world for Malik Willis, because the way the offense is structured now, it doesn't suit him. Like you look at his heat map on where he completes most of his passes. He doesn't, he's not a guy who hits the 12 to 15 intermediate area of the field right in front of him. He does not hit that particularly well where he does. His most damage is obviously with his legs and on deep shots down the sidelines, particularly particularly to his right side. So you don't you don't have a guy in Malik Willis right now who is first of all experienced in the NFL. Second of all, you don't have a guy who is going to hit the Robert Woods's and the Austin Hoopers and uh Traylon can win inside or outside so he didn't really count, but you know the uh Nicholas uh, Nicholas the Nick Westbrook Aquinas like you don't have a guy who can kind of hit those guys where they do their best work and where the play action offense works the best. And I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take to do that. Like, can you add two dynamic, like deep threat wide receivers this off season? Yeah. Like, but not right. You can't do it today. So maybe if they resign Will Fuller, or resign, if they go out and sign Will Fuller, maybe that changes, but Right now, they really don't have anybody on the roster other than Racy McMath, who I ex- expect to kind of have a fun preseason with Malik Willis, but they don't really have a guy to do what he does best. So, you know, I, I think that he's going to get, you know, if, if it's up to the coaches, I don't think he's going to get any snaps as a starting quarterback this year. And I don't think he's a shoe in to win next to, to win the job next year. Like, I just don't think they're going to move on from Tannehill unless somebody blows him away with a trade package. So we'll see, but just enjoy Malik for what he is, which is a low risk, high reward prospect. Who's going to be really fun to watch in the small doses we get him. But everything that you thought about Dylan Radens making the transition to the NFL at offensive tackle, 
magnify that by 10 because of what he had to deal with at Liberty and kind of the the offense that he got to run at Liberty. So he's got a lot to learn, even if he's got all the tools to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, let's be honest, he's a third-round quarterback. What is the hit rate on third-round quarterbacks? It is yeah. extremely low. I mean, the, the history is completely not on his side. Um, I'd be willing to bet on him just because I think he's a very high-character guy, and, and the tools are definitely something that you could get a lot out of. But I don't think Todd Downing is the guy to, to get that uh, out of him, to be completely honest. And I agree. I think you would have to tailor um, the offense towards him and his strengths. Um, and I just I don't see the current offensive coaching staff being able to do that. I think Tim Kelly could do it. He I, he kind of did it with uh, Deshaun Watson when when they were at Houston. Um, but I don't know. I, I would I, I would be very reserved in my expectations, not only this year, but but also going forward in the next season. Uh, but we'll see. I think they will probably use him a little. I, honestly, I could see him not even being active on game days, to be honest, just because of just because yeah. of Mike Rabel. But if they did use him, it would be kind of in the same way that the Raiders used Mariota last year, which is just on a lot of read option stuff. Um, and maybe getting some RPO off of that. But other than that, I really I, I don't see him playing uh, very much. Yeah, at all. I mean, but Tannehill does that. Like, that's the problem. Is like, Yeah, I, I was going to mention that he's really good at read options. Yeah, Tannehill's stuff. faster than Malik Willis. Like, I, in all probability, like if they ran a foot race, it would maybe be close. Like, yeah, I don't Willis know. Willis like, is just more agile and, and quicker. Yeah, like, because you watch him on tape, and he's getting caught by other people, and, like, he gets hit, and he kind of keeps on ticking and doing that. Not that he's, like, Roethlisberger or anything, but, like, that's his thing is, like, he's real resilient once he starts, and he's got quick feet. Like, as soon as he starts him, he's fast. But, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we saw Tannehill outrun the entire Green Bay defense on, like, a 70-yard keeper. Like, it's not like, you know, and he did it a few times last year, too, where he had like big 20 yard gains or whatever. So it's not like Tannehill can't run. And whether you want your quarterback taking that hit that, you know, that's a different story. But I mean, you have to remember, Mike Rabel does not want to play rookies if he doesn't have to. And he kept uh, Dylan Radins inactive because he didn't play special teams and because he'd already vouched for Kendall Lamb coming over and all that. Like, I mean. He's going to play his guys. So maybe Malik is one of those guys. Maybe he's not. But, you know, don't be surprised if he's active for three games this year. Yeah, they love Logan Woodside. I don't know why. But anyway, um, for the sake of time, I don't think we're going to spend too much time talking about Hassan Haskins. I don't really know how much he's going to play. I I mean, Derrick Henry, if he's healthy, he's going to get almost all of the carries. And then you have Dontrell Hilliard, who was fantastic as a pass catching back. And even as a spell back uh, last year, I don't know how many touches Hassan Haskins is really going to get. Um, I think most of his, most of his contributions are probably going to be on special teams. Um, and maybe if Derrick Henry gets injured, um, but I don't see him touching the ball more than, I don't know, once or twice a game, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Haskins is weird because he dominated Ohio State. Like, he had the five touchdowns. And he looked like you watch Haskins play, and it's like he always runs for two more yards than it's blocked up. 
And that's awesome. Like Mike Vrabel is going to love that. I don't know how many times you can feature that because that's kind of also Derrick Henry's thing. And Derrick Henry can also uh, cut back and completely outrun a defense and stiff arm everybody. So it's like, I don't really know what his purpose is, except as a guy who you can run on first and second down when Derrick Henry's already at his 20th carry and it's the second quarter. Like, other than that, like, I think he's more of a, a, like you said, like, he's good on special teams. You know, he's not a returner, but he's good at every other part of it. Like, he'll be active, so you don't have to worry about keeping a guy active who's bad on special teams. But that... That was one of the weirder choices to me, even though I do like him. But we'll we'll see. Like Mike Keith has talked about, it's like you know, you read how big he is on paper, but you look at him and you're like, he's huge, and he's not Derrick Henry, but man, is he big, like that kind of stuff. So, uh, I mean, may, maybe we see him more than we think, but I, I would imagine he gets kind of the Deonta Foreman in 2020 role where it's like he has six carries and you're like, Oh, he carried the ball 15 times that game. But it's like, Oh no, he just had six really good carries. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's nothing against him. I actually think he's a really good prospect and I think he's going to have a pretty solid NFL career. Like everything kind of points to that, the production, his final season, um, his body type. I mean, he, he reminds me a little bit of, T.J. Yeldon at, at Alabama, but he plays with a lot more power um, than Yeldon did. So I'm excited to see him. I just don't think that they're, they're going to give him uh, too many opportunities. Um, two rookies who I think Titans fans are, are very high on and might be expecting too much from are Chiga Conquo and, and Kyle Phillips. Um, we kind of had it down as a talking point um, about whether fans are, are kind of expecting too much from them um, just because, you know, I mean, they're a late fourth and, and a fifth round pick. Um, historically, those guys like aren't uh, amazing contributors. Um, and even in their rookie seasons, like, I think Kyle Phillips probably has more of a chance to to um, to be productive, um, just because f- rookie tight ends they are never really very good. Um, although I love Oconquo's athletic ability, um, and I think they will have to use him, especially if they don't um, sign another receiver. Um, but what do you think? Like, do you think Titans fans have kind of overhyped both of them? I, I feel like Kyle Phillips has kind of gotten overhyped more. Uh, than a Conquo, people are just expecting him to kind of slot in as as, as that slot receiver um, and contribute right away. Uh, how do you see it? I mean, for me, like these two kind of have the same role. Like Kyle Phillips and a Conquo are both guys who are willing blockers who are like, but they're probably going to do their most damage lined up as like a slot receiver or like. An, an offset tight end who's, you know, not attached to the line of scrimmage. Like I, to me, and I had this conversation the other day, all you're going to ask them to do is to beat the, you know, fifth or sixth best coverage guy on the other team, because they're never going to be on the field as the boundary receiver. And they're always going to be like slot guys or, you know, in Chig's case, it, he's going to be the second tight end because they're going to have Hooper play so much. So really, like, if you can beat the team's worst defensive back or if you can beat their second worst coverage linebacker, you're probably, like, 
gonna gonna do well. Now, the the Titans are only gonna throw the ball thirty times a game. How many of those targets are gonna go to your uh, second tight end and your let's say fourth wide receiver? I don't know. Probably four or five, maybe. So you know, at the end of the year, they may combine for you know a hundred targets, eighty targets, or something like that if they stay healthy and play like they should, but that's targets, not catches. I mean, like, you know, they, they may do well and they may have 600 yards combined and that would be a win. But I mean, I I think you can expect them to be part of the offense, but not, if they're the focal points, the Titans are in trouble and they've made a mistake. And I, I don't think they intend on them being the focal points, but having said that, like, you know, my, Michael Pruitt wasn't the focal point, but he made plenty of plays over, you know, over the last few years with the Titans. And, you know, Adam Humphreys wasn't the focal point, but when he was healthy, he made his fair share of plays. And, you know, that just because you're not a consistent dominating factor doesn't mean that you can't make an important play or two in big games and be the difference in a win and a loss. So, I think t- fans should be high on them, but just make sure you temper your expectations so that at the end of the year, if they have, you know, 300 yards each, that's fine as long as they were the right 300 yards and not, you know, garbage time yardage like Blake Bortle used to get. I agree. Um, I think their real world contributions, like what they actually give to the team uh, uh, on the place that they're in. Um, is going to be more important than their actual numbers reflect, um, because I do think they're 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 good players. Uh, it, it, particularly Kyle Phillips, I think if he could give the tight ends that third down reliability that Adam Humphreys did at times, like I, I I don't know if you guys remember, but Adam Humphreys had a couple of third downs where he literally saved the offense um, on certain drives with these really um, acrobatic clutch catches. Um, in order to move the chains, if Phillips could do that uh, on a very sporadic basis, I think the Titans will will be ecstatic uh, with his contributions. Um, and then a Conquo, I don't know. I think they still love Swain for for whatever reason. They just trust him. Um, hopefully, a Conquo gets gets more playing time, um, but I really don't think so. Not not in his first season. Um, but whatever they do draw up for him, I do think he'll perform well just because he's so athletic um, and he really could be uh, a game-changing, dynamic type of mismatch uh, weapon. Uh, I just don't really trust Todd Downing uh, to get that out of him. Yep, completely agree. All right, that's about it for the rookies. Um, we do have – I am missing two more. Theo Jackson um, from the from Tennessee, the safety, and Chance Campbell, the linebacker from Ole Miss. Um, given that they're sixth-round rookies, I'm not expecting much from them. Um, I don't know if they'll even make the team. I, I mean, it's always an uphill battle for those late-round picks. Uh, but they definitely are intriguing. Like, they were good players in college. Um, they just happened to slide down – uh, draft boards. So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what they can contribute. Uh, they'll probably have to carve out a role on special teams to begin with. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> good luck to them. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and take a quick break and then we're going to finish up with uh, Stop the Nonsense. All right, we're back and we're going to finish up with Stop the Nonsense. Will, do you care to go first? Sure. 
Um, so this is the one I saw a lot. And again, if y'all have any stop the nonsense, feel free to send those to us. Cause we, we love to read them. And if I haven't already seen them, I, there's a good chance that I am in a place where I want to be mad and they always drive me crazy. So, um, this, so, uh, somebody asked, it was at Travis cabbage, which I'm assuming is his real name, but if not, it's a really funny, uh, handle. Um, but he had a poll out that said who should replace Bob Kessling for the Vols. And a lot of y'all may or may not know this, but uh, Mike Keith is, you know, he graduated from UT and, you know, he's like that, that would be his, like in theory, he makes the most sense. And there was a poll up and he won 86% of the votes or whatever. And somebody said, uh, give Mike Keith a blank check. And somebody else, Brian Vall uh, at Vols R1 <laughs> said no exclamation point exclamation point and then uh, he he was asked why he said that and he said quote uh, his yelling touchdown Titans is so obnoxious to me that I can't listen to it anymore and look I I've been as critical of anybody or uh, I've been as critical as anybody on Mike Keith because. I think he has a really bad habit of trying to make everybody the Titans play seem like they just won the Super Bowl. And that's fine until you hear him do it with the Jaguars and the Texans for the eighth straight year. And he talks about guys you've seen backups beat over and over about how they're not the same guys that they were the year before. And, you know, th this is the year where uh, Cam Robinson really takes a new next step and he just gets absolutely pantsed in front of uh the titans fans and nissan stadium just gets destroyed but you can you can not like that about him his calls are fantastic like borderline legendary if not already there like he is one of the biggest reasons i became a titans fan growing up was because of how fun it was to listen to those calls on the radio and Still to this day, there are times when I'll bring headphones into the stadium just so I can hear uh, what what Mike Keith is saying on the radio. Like he he is fantastic. And so as a Vols fan, I'm torn because he would be great. And anybody who's pushing back against this idea at all either doesn't know Mike Keith or they're not Titans fans. And they grew up during that weird time where Tennessee Vols fans like the Colts because Peyton Manning was there. but uh, that that is if we're doing nonsensical takes, that is the most nonsensical take I've heard in a long time. Yeah, I mean his calls are yeah you can't 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 argue um, with that. Uh, I'm gonna go, gonna go ahead and wrap up with my stop the nonsense. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Good Morning Football um, has a new crew. Uh, Jason McCourty is on it. Um, and he helped uh, to bring this stop the nonsense to me uh, because he agreed with uh, something that, that Jamie Erdahl had said. Uh, they were pretty much asking the question, which AFC contender has the most question marks? Of course, the Titans are going to be the team that Jamie Erdahl picks um, because they're the Titans. Like they, we, we weren't expected to be good last year. We ended up with the one seed and then we blew it against the Bengals. Uh, so now every team, every national media member is going to call us frauds. Um, and in order to do this, uh, she essentially said that the A.J. Brown loss 
um, is going to be the deciding factor in the Titans not being a contender uh, at all. They proceeded to compare A.J. Brown with Tyreek Hill. Um, they they compared Tannehill to Mahomes. Uh, I don't think that I, – I mean, I just don't understand um, how that makes any sense. I, I don't think A.J. Brown is on Tyreek Hill's level in terms of what they provide for an offense. Uh, also, A.J. Brown was – continuously injured Tyreek Hill has been one of the more durable players um in the league so that was weird I, I don't know I didn't agree with that at all I I don't know um why they think that AJ Brown loss is is going to be so crucial that 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 it drops the Titans from being contenders I, I mean he was an amazing player don't get me wrong um but I don't know. Like we really just don't throw the ball all that much. Um, and I don't know, even when AJ Brown hasn't been playing, who have been the guys that have had to step up? It's been Nick, Nick Westbrook, Akina, um, those types of talents. Obviously we're not going to do well. And Tannehill isn't going to do well when he's throwing to, to that type of talent. That's not going to be uh, what's happening this year. I mean, we've gotten Traylon Burks to, to replace AJ Brown. Robert Woods has been brought in. Austin Hooper has been brought in. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like they kind of went with the sensationalist thing where, oh, they lost A.J. Brown. They 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 didn't do anything to replace him when I don't believe that's true. Um, and it hurt to see Jason McCourty, who's now um, on the on the Good Morning Football show. He's on the panel. Uh, he agreed and he said he doesn't see the Titans as a contender. Um, even though this was after Will, you showed me, he had said that he was like a Tennessee Titan, uh, through and through, come on, man, you gotta, you gotta stick up for us. Yeah. You can't just, just lay us out to dry like that. So, uh, that was a little, uh, that was a little underwhelming. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And the national respect thing, we talk about it all the time, like just ignore it. Like the, the only reason like this and this makes it even worse is uh, the only reason this is uh, like as bad is uh, the OTP had Jamie Erdahl on to like congratulate her for like, you know, all, like Mike Keith was like, oh, you're so great and all this stuff. And they talked about the Titans and all this. And, you know, she, she didn't seem to have any questions when she was talking to Mike Keith. And then, you know, McCourty being from this area, like and, and playing and saying that he's, you know, a Tennessee Titan kind of for life, like. I don't know. It's it's not it, the ignorance doesn't surprise me, but it, it surprises me how many people like pretend to know things about the Titans or pretend this, that and the other. And then will either sign off on takes that they don't agree with or who will just read off cue cards instead of actually like watching the team play or anything. So um, it, it'll be interesting because you don't hear the same conversation about the Packers who lost uh, Devonte Adams, who you know, was great. And Tyreek Hill, like you don't hear the same conversation there, even though they also lost to the Bengals in the playoffs and just absolutely like fumbled the game away, like literally. Um, and then you don't hear about the same thing with uh, uh, the Cowboys that when they traded Amari Cooper and, you know, it's like th there's other teams that have traded away more established slash better like receivers than the Titans and the Titans already get knocked as a team who don't pass the ball anyway. So like if it's going to affect anybody, the least it would be the Titans. So I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see how that bears out, but it, it is wild. Yeah. I, I feel like we went from 
us, the fans, overrating A.J. Brown to now the national media is overrating A.J. Brown. It's been uh, quite the quite the turning of the tables. But, um, yeah, I mean, good luck to A.J. Brown. Hopefully, hopefully he does well with Philadelphia, and hopefully the Titans uh, do well without him. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. And remember to always stop the nonsense. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.